That song said, walk on. That's good. The Bible tells us we're to walk before the Lord. Be perfect before Him. And uh, He encourages us to walk before Him. Walking is an orderly progression of steps. That's really what your life will be following the Lord. If you're going to follow the Lord. I hope that you will decide to follow the Lord. There are going to be a lot of things that will allure you to follow this or follow that. And uh, the Lord certainly is worth following. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 is a chapter that touches on many of the basics of Christian living. And uh, we're going to look at uh, the items God's Word reveals to us in the chapter and the order that He puts it out in this chapter. I'm going to ask you to do something as we begin here. And you'll choose to whether you do it or not, but I, I'm going to ask of you. Will you ask God as we're going to read through this chapter and then I'm going to come back to some things. But will you ask God to show you what you might need from this on this particular day? As a matter of uh, serious business and a work of the heart, I've asked God what I should bring to you in all seriousness and as much as I can know that and try to know that. And I've not just looked for a sermon or something like that or whatever. But I've asked God, what do we need tonight? What do you need tonight? Each of you and myself, what do we need? So I'm going to ask you, will you ask of God, God, show me something I need. Show me what I need out of the message. What do you have here for me tonight? If you'll do that, I guarantee He'll give you something from it. Colossians chapter 3, first I'll read the chapter. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now... Ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, 
so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Uh, anger, excuse me. Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Basic Christian living. It's covered so many areas here in the chapter. And I want to give you some of these and just some quick thoughts on several of the verses throughout the chapter. I hope you've asked the Lord already if He'd show you tonight. If you have, you're going to benefit from it. But look at these with me if you will. Let's look at first, verse 1, first of all. And I put this down about verse 1. I put down it presupposes salvation. Verse 1 begins with the basic, what is called an if-then proposition. If this then this. And that basic proposition of logic is given there at the beginning of chapter 3 and verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ. If ye then be risen with Christ. So if you have been saved by Christ, you're risen with Him. You are to be living a resurrected life. Not the resurrection is one event that happened a long time ago when Christ physically came out of the grave. But because of that event, and day by day living in a life of renewal. It's amazing how dead living people can be. Dead to opportunities around them. Dead to the blessings of God. Dead to opportunities for themselves to improve and go forward. Let's not be like that. We're resurrected people. And I look at that, it presupposes in this chapter, basic Christian living presupposes, in other words, it starts with the knowledge that there would be salvation. In other words, the rest of the chapter that follows does not say here is your list, your laundry list, if you will, of works that if you attain unto these works, then you'll truly be a Christian person. That you'll truly be saved. That's not it at all. There's many a person with good character and noble intentions that fulfill many of these verses. But life comes from Christ. 
We are a people who have a sinful nature. And we have seeds of corruption in us which if subjected to situations and that which nourishes them can grow into things you don't want in your lives and it can get there quickly. But that's not all we are. We also are people made in the image of God. And so there remains within humanity the glimmer of the glory of the Lord. And that's why sometimes people who maybe don't even know anything of the Lord will be exemplary in some of their actions and what they do. In fact, when we're reading in Romans, talks about that, that those who didn't have the law of God, sometimes by keeping the precepts that are in the law of God, they are a judgment against those who have the Word of God but ignore it. Why is that? Because there's some things with it. So verse 1 presupposes salvation. Then look at verse 2. First word in verse 2 is what, church? Set. And... Uh, it points out our ability, what this chapter, this verse does, our ability to set our affections and then the responsibility of that ability. The word responsibility is a great word. It's a responsibility. It's our ability to respond. And this verse that we just read together, of setting our affections on things above, says we can do that. Um, I believe there's all sorts of fleshly propaganda. And I use that word advisedly that uh, through everything from mu some music to general conversation, uh, different authors, different things you encounter in life, that wants to sell you the idea that you don't have a choice in matters of your heart. And because of that, watch this now, that somehow you're exempt from the responsibility of the decisions of your heart. And that's ultimately what it goes down to. Well, see, if I can't help what I love, if I can't help what I'm attracted to, then I can't be held responsible for what I do set my affection on. That will not stand up before the judgment seat of Christ. Because God has told us to set our affection and has told us to do this thing. Then look at verse 3. Verse 3 tells us the basis for the proper setting of affection. Look at it. For you're dead. What does that mean? Isn't it funny that the most living of people are described as dead? But it didn't end with that statement. That would be pretty rough if it ended right there. But we're talking about the resurrection throughout here, risen with Christ. For you're dead and your life is hid. Look at the phrase, with Christ in God. My life is wrapped up in Him. He's... Uh, his life is in me. I'm, I'm dead. I can, I'm no longer at the, at the whim of, of my affections because I, my old self has died and there's a resurrection in my life. That becomes something real, not just religious terminology when you try to follow the Lord with your life, I promise you. Then look at verse 4. I love this. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. I like the fact that when the Lord's talking about some pretty, pretty intense stuff, really, talking about your affections, what you do with them, um, where you set them, what you decide that you're going to live your life for. When He does that, right here four verses in, 
He comes along and He reveals our sure hope in Christ. This thing that uh, uh, Christ who's our life, He's going to appear and we're going to be with Him one day. I like that. I don't understand all the mechanics and everything that happens. Uh, but uh, one day we're going to be with Him for sure. And that's good. Uh, security, you're slipping. This guy got in. And if I ever saw a dangerous looking guy right there, he got past all my guards. And there we are. But John, glad you can make it. Isn't it nice to slip in without any attention drawn to yourself? Amen. Uh, good to have you, my friend. I'm glad you got to make it in. Um, and so we have a hope that's in Christ. It's our sure hope in Jesus. Um, I had a conversation yesterday, and I, I was talking to uh, Dallas yesterday, and uh, I told him, I said, talk to you a minute. Papal to Papal. <laughs> funny. And uh, anyway, we got to talking about that, uh, the general conversation. I would not give away any, anything of a private conversation, but basically came down to this, that uh, we have a lot to be grateful for, that there's, there are some things we can know. There are a lot of things we may not know. I think as we go through life, we may be surprised by some things we thought we knew. <laughs> but there are some things we can know. And uh, we have a hope in Christ. Hopeless people are very sad people. Do you know that? They lose all initiative. They lose, they lose the vibrancy of their life. But we have a hope in Christ. And uh, I, I'm glad for it. I see that there. Then look in verse 5. Look what that says. It starts out with the word mortify. You say, what's that mean? It means kill it. That's what it means. Mortify. Kill it. There's some things I get. Kill that thing. But why are we to mortify? Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. I would advise all pastors, and I know there's a couple listening to the podcast, that does not mean <laughs> your congregation. Um, <laughs> there are days, but brethren, please, forbear. Um, <laughs> Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, these are some things that we're just supposed to kill. We're just supposed to kill. Not, you don't negotiate with, and you just kill. Look what they are. See what we're supposed to do with them. Now, I wrote down over here, um, it, it reasonable explains our sure hope has to have a proper response. That sure hope in Christ means then we're supposed to do something with our life. We're supposed to make decisions about our life. Look at what it warns against and what it says to mortify upon the earth. Fornication. That perversion of what is reserved only for marriage. Not before. Not, oh, I think this is the right one and therefore, no. Now married, it's fornication. It's not right. Some little Jake Lake liberal comes along and tells you, well, marriage is just the coming together of two. They're lying to you. They don't know their Bibles. More to marriage than that. And you're not married until you're married. Say, so, well, I know ceremonies have changed, but there's always been something that has been the time that was come together. And here, this is the husband, this is the wife. It, the, before God, before, before whatever witnesses they had, before their families or whatever, they have come together. Then, then and only then, when there's that declaration and that responsibility given, then 
to proceed forward as a married couple. Before that, it's fornication. With no exceptions. And by the way, it has to be dealt with. You can't just say, oh, well, uh, uh, you know, whatever. No, you, you, need to, you need to be clean about it and, and let that go on there. It's a source of, source of great damage and, and, and decay. I'm amazed at the moral decadence and flippancy of so-called Christian people today. The treat is as if it's nothing at all. The treat is normal. And unfortunately, so many of our young people and teenagers come up with people around them in their churches, people around them among them, that they know are, are morally impure. They know they just treat this thing like it's nothing. It isn't nothing. And the God that took 23,000 lives for it in one day is still the same God. And if you doubt that He's going to bring judgment on this, then you're very foolish indeed. We're to kill it. You say, you can't compromise with it. You can't compromise with it. You've got to be careful. Foolishness. Not taking precautions. There's a reason why there's wisdom and, and uh, some propriety in how courting, dating, and all that went along. And yet in a day and time, uh, people not married think they need to hang all over each other and everything else. I'm telling you, this, this is deadly. You can laugh at it. You can scoff at it. You can whatever you think. Oh, that's what the preacher says. No, I'm going to tell you something. There's still God in heaven. These things still get judged. I'll warn you about it. I'll warn you about it. I'll love you enough to tell you about it. Some of you will get mad at me. Some of you will get upset at me. Some of you will oh, no, no. I'm going to find a different church and someone doesn't do that. You don't do all that. I know that. But I'm still going to be faithful to tell you. I'm still going to be faithful to warn you. May God help you to be faithful to warn you, to live right. And so what happens? Because of that sure hope, we're supposed to have a proper response. Mortify your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. Uncleanness. All types. We're supposed to cleanse ourselves of the filth of the flesh and the spirit. Inordinate affection. That, that, that's, oh, those are affections that are improper either in their intensity, their timing, or their placement. The next phrase, evil concupiscence, is much like it. It's the idea of forbidden desires. You have these pervert signs people put up, we believe love is love. Those are pervert signs. And everything on those placards is something you ought to avoid. Whether it be the terrorist group named on it or whether it be love is love stuff. What a perverse nation dares to call love, God calls vile affections. You've got to kill it. You've got to stop this stuff from growing in you. It can take you over. I'll tell you something that you'll understand very simply on the surface with it. Not that I'm doubting your intelligence, but it's obvious in other words. I've never known anybody, and you have never known anybody, and I have never known of someone who knew somebody who set out as their goal in life to become a drunkard. To become so addicted to alcohol that it ruled, ruled and ruined every part of their life. I've never known somebody set out to do that. They don't do that. Nobody said, tell you what, I grew up, I won't be drunk. They don't do that. It's not how they start. 
In fact, to a person, you get someone who's a true drunkard, you'll find out if you deal with very many that they didn't think it would happen to them. Because all along the path that led to them becoming an absolute slave, I said an absolute slave to this, all along that path, they thought, well, I can stop whenever I want. And take it to anything that we would call an addiction. Whether it be pornography, or heroin, or you name it. Say, so why do you do it? Kill it before it kills you. Kill it before it kills you. God has so many right things. God has so many clean things. God has so many uh, just beautiful things. And some of the very things which become so dangerous, that become so deadly, are absolutely beautiful in God's design and the way He made for them. When you see these things, kill them. I'm talking about basic Christian living. Basic Christian living. And uh, this, you say, oh, that's, this, isn't, this isn't mature Christian living. This is basic. This is like elementary. This is really, if you're Christian people, here's the basics. Here's what they do. <laughs> when the early believers accepted the Lord in places such as Corinth and other places that were marked by so much physical impurity and such things with that, one well, of the first things that happened with them was they realized they had to be different in their culture because that's perverted. And we're not going to be a part of that. We're not going to live in that manner. And yet, there are people going headlong towards it who claim the name of Christ. Inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, in verse 6, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That's exactly it. Um, then look at verse 7. <clears throat> in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. And I wrote this down with that. It reminds us of our previous foolishness and folly. And it's a reminder to turn and not to trust ourselves. He said, um, he said all, you've, you've had things out of sorts in your life. You've had things that were completely out of, out of, out of place. Everybody in this room has. Anybody with any age on them at all in this room? Oh, you could point an accusing finger. I never did that. Yeah, well that. Right, you never did that. But all of us have a lot to be grateful for when it comes to the mercy and forgiveness of God. And so when we realize that, what happens is we realize we walked in those things, we gave ourselves to them, and yet we now belong to the Lord, so we don't want to walk in them. And then you start in verses 8 through 10, it talks about all the different aspects of living with this, how it requires of us attention. Look at all the different things mentioned here. Look at the areas that we just need to pay attention to as we encounter them, as they come up in our life. Look at these things, but now, verse 8, Put, ye also put off all these. In other words, get rid of this whole wardrobe. Because it's, it's so funny. If you want to look up, it, it's interesting, you want to look up the term put on and put off, which is used right down through here a lot. It's very simple. It's, it, it, the very meaning of it is putting on a garment, taking off a garment. Putting on a garment, taking off a garment. In other words, okay, now I'm a Christian, what is my uniform supposed to be? 
Hey, you understand what I'm talking about. Well, exactly what is it? You have to have a wingtip shoot now. What, what is my uniform? What is it that characterizes me as in my behavior? What am I clothed upon by my actions? What do I do in my life that does this? And when you look at it, look at the different things that need dealt with. It starts with one of the strongest and most dangerous of human emotions. Put off anger. Now we know we're not to let the sun go down on our wrath. So there are times even when anger comes in with something that would truly anger us, we have to choose not to let it rest in our heart. Listen to the verse. Anger resteth. It finds a place of, of, of uh, repose. Anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So we're to put it off. Put off anger. That means you're going to have to decide to do it. <coughs> Wrath, the outworking of anger and such. Malice, a forethought for harm and, 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 and uh, damage. Blasphemy, things that uh, go against the holiness and nobility of God. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Both outright vulgar things and as well as innuendos. Lie not one to another. Be truthful. Are you a liar? Do you lie to people? Well, not normally, but okay, you're a liar. That's an affront to a God who is truth. Lie not one to another. Why? Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed. There it is again. See, we started out talking about if ye then be risen. Now we're talking about renewal. That's what the, this, this chapter takes us to so much. And be the new man, which is renewed. What's he renewed in church there in verse 10? In knowledge. This morning when I read First Thessalonians, it talked about the Word of God. It says, we thank God when you receive the Word from it, you received it not as the Word of man, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. This is not man's Word. This is God's Word. Which is able to effectually, with good effect, worketh in you who believe. And see, I believe if our knowledge of the Word of God, and I believe if I'm dealing with God's people, and if I'm dealing with people who the Spirit of God lives in, if you get knowledge of what the Word of God is, and make no mistake of it, we are in a biblically anemic, and even at some points, a biblically illiterate generation within our Bible-believing churches. Not out in the world. They don't even have a clue. You know, a few highlight stories a few familiar chapters, but not the Bible as in its context and how it fits. And uh, we preachers must bear that, the burden of a lot of the guilt of that. That's a, that's a, that's a sobering thought if you're a preacher. But here, with knowledge, you'll renew you. You learn a new way of doing something. But see, here's like when I started the message, I asked you, are you willing to ask God to show you something tonight? See, that's what it takes. You get that willingness, you'll get some knowledge that can help you. 
you can be strengthened. It, it would not be my place as your pastor if I had the ability to, and I certainly don't have the ability to, it would not be my place as your pastor to dictate behavior to you. But it is my place as a pastor to clearly put out the Word of God and say, here's the Word of God. Here's the way that the Lord has set in place. Now let's follow that way. But then you, you, between you and your God, you will decide what you do with what you learn and what you know. And there's, there's the renewal that comes. Oh, that's, that's such a better way of doing it. It's just such a better way of doing it. I remember when I made some changes in, in my dietary changes that have been very helpful to me health-wise. They came about, actually, it was uh, uh, Michelle had asked me to proof a book that she was looking at and saying, hey, what do you think about this book? And I went through and I read quickly some areas and you deal with enough books in life, you'd learn kind of where to look to find out things. And I thought, man, this thing's got my attention. This is a little different than what I thought it was going to be. And I got that particular book and I read through that particular book. And uh, there are things in it I didn't do. You know, like every book that deals with anything that has to do with health and nutrition, they've got all these helpful recipes, right? Well, you know how interesting recipes are to me, right? It's like, I, I didn't even look at those. It's like, this, you can fix this and this. And I'm like, no, again, it won't happen. And uh, just not. And some of y'all love, you enjoy cooking. I'm not making fun of it at all. I think it's awesome. I know people who really enjoy it. It's an art form to you. You love to know how things come together. You like to work with it. I think that's great. I think that's as much a, a real thing as being able to build a building or, or, you know, put something together mechanically. You enjoy doing that. I really don't. I am the happy recipient of your abilities. <laughs> now I even help wash the dishes. My wife fixes a good lunch. Very seldom do we get to go home on a, on a Sunday. Usually we don't get to our house after 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. And, uh, and she got, uh, we, we went home today and uh, we ate and I got up and washed my dish afterwards. And uh, she's, she's always very great. She expresses her gratitude. She says, thank you for, thank you for doing that. And I always thank her for giving me something to get it dirty with. Amen? She's glad to have a clean dish. I'm glad to have one dirty with something. Amen? That's a fair trade. I got a big old big old uh, uh, plate of chili spaghetti for just washing off that one plate. That's all right. Amen? My, my dog helped me with that. Um, <laughs> you stack those every other so you know where they are. Um, But what happened with the knowledge of that book, there were some things, some key things in that book that gave me some knowledge and it renewed my thinking about some things that have led to very helpful things which have been long-lasting. Um, there was a book passed out at pastor school. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of that book is. Do you remember the one that exercise book they had there? Anyway, there was a thing they sent out. I think they figured out how many of us Pastors were on a on a track to kill ourselves with not taking care of ourselves, and uh, aerobics. pardon, aerobics. Is that the title? It's, it's an old book. They're really the really the technology for measuring things and stuff was in its infancy, and it was new, kind of a new way of thinking. But the guy had a good way of explaining things, and that's what got me moving more and realized I was needing to do some things because I'm active, but I was I was needing some help. All I'm saying to you is, in those couple books. There were some things that had some long-term health consequences for good for me that have been a benefit. Can I say to you, we have the words of the living God. And you, 
as a double blessing to that, you as a child of God have the author of this book lives inside of you. And if you will get the Word in you, it can renew you. Hey, do you remember when you really had a love for Christ? I'll tell you when your life started getting confusing. Let me tell you when your life started getting confusing. Not hard, because hard can come from a lot of different ways. But let me tell you when you... Let me tell you when your life started getting confusing and, and you, oh, I don't know about this or that or that anymore. And I'm talking about basic beliefs. I'll tell you when it started changing is, is when you quit being renewed. You got away from the basics of let's be in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. You got away from basic Christianity. Now, basic Christianity, you're not going to outgrow it. It is just... It, it, it is where we live because it's a place of life. It's a place of vitality. Let me go on here. And there's so much good I want to give you out of this. And then look at verse 11. What does this do? It talks about there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. And I underlined two phrases here, but Christ is all and in all. And to me, there's just so much in that. I don't know if I can't really express what all that did for me when I read that. But I put this down in the way I thought about it that was helpful to me. It rejoices in our equality in Jesus. And I put down a further explanation with that. There's an equal need and there's an equal deliverance. My brother, when he was... In his latter teen years, got into many things, some of which would be very heavy chains upon his life for many years after that. There was a lot of trouble and a lot of issues that came because of it. Many things he'd gotten into that were not good things and very destructive things. When I came along to that age in life, even right before I accepted Christ, I was kind of the polar opposite of my actions of my brother. Where he was, went towards a party crowd, I was directly the other direction from it. I would be invited to the parties and things once I got into high school and gained some popularity through my wrestling and such. I was invited to things and I guess if you can call the allure of evil opportunity, I almost don't like to use that word because opportunity sounds like a positive thing, but the, the, there were a lot of, lot of those type of doors were open easily to me. And I looked at it and before I got saved, I had chosen a different pattern of behavior than my brother had chosen. We were raised in the same home by the same mom, had the same opportunities. And there were just distinctly different behavior patterns at that time in our life. This is just prior to me coming to Christ. Certainly, there's a distinction made after I came to know Christ, and that made such a difference. I look at the seeds I sowed in my life then and how deadly they could have been and what would have happened. But uh, God was good and merciful. I appreciate Him. But during that time, when my brother, as I talked to him again at length about it, up at Kettering Hospital, very certain and no questions asked, yes, I was serious about accepting Christ. It's kind of funny. The Lord's doing some things right now through my sister that are pretty... <laughs> for our family, we're going, Wow. That's amazing. But I, we talked again about this very seriously. And he said, yes, I was serious. 
Yes, it wasn't their emotion of the time. I believe in Christ. Wow. You have to know what that means coming from a brother. But can I tell you something about it? John, at the age I got saved at 15, and John had already chosen some behavior patterns which were very destructive by that age. John did not have a greater need than I did. He had stronger manifestations of some destruction. He had other things. He had greater needs in some areas of things that were immediately threatening his, his health, his, his forward progress just as a young man. But the need of salvation, the need of cleansing was no greater in John than it was me. Outwardly, not saying there was a hidden double agenda. I really didn't have that going as much as you don't ever have it going. But, I mean, that's what it was. That's The reason I was living cleanly in high school is because that's what I believed you were supposed to be doing. I believed that was the right thing to do. Or whatever the crowd did, they were going to have to do and get over it. Or not get over it. I didn't care. That was the crowd. They can do whatever they want. And, but my need was as great as my brother's. If the chain that fastens you is a physical, physical uh, appetite that's out of bounds in some way, or if the chain that fastens you is your own pride, you're still chained. And I was as much without hope and without God in this world as my brother was at that age. And uh, I'm just telling you, there was an equal need. And there was an equal deliverance. Now, there are many steps that my brother will make just basic baby steps forward as a Christian. But can I tell you that the deliverance and the salvation the same price paid for both. And we ought to be equally grateful for it. That's what it's talking about there. Not Greek or Jew. Hey, some of y'all were raised in church. Some of you youngins here have been raised in church. Some of you have been raised in this church. Some of you sitting here Good old-fashioned much. You weren't raised around it. It doesn't matter. Same deliverance and same opportunity in Christ. Boy, if you'd get a hold of that, you'd be amazed how doors would open for you as far as what you can do with your life. And then verses 12 through 14, it's interesting. It talks about putting on. And I put that, the verse teaches are condensed in the phrase found in verse 10. Look back at that one in verse 10. And have put on the new man. All the teachings in verses 12 through 14 where it talks about putting on uh, bowels of mercies. That's a deep-seated mercy from inside kindness. Humbleness of mind. That's not just humble speech, but that's an actual humbleness in mind that we actually realize our condition and uh, are grateful for what God's given us instead of being arrogant towards it. Meekness, long-suffering, Forbearing one another. I love it. I did a study once. I thought, I'm going to get, we'll get to the Roman. I, I think I got forbearing. I want to see if I know for sure that word. And it's so funny. It's putting up with each other. <laughs> That's what forbearance is. It's putting up. And uh, sometimes we need that. And that's what it comes down to every now and then, doesn't it? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Whoever you won't forgive, that unforgiveness is a barrier to your freedom. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel, 
Hey, like that, that's not just, she said something, that's a quarrel. You got this ongoing thing. I think about a feuding parties on that one. Even as Christ forgave you, look at the measurement. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So all these things are here. And then we go down verses 15, 16. Notice the word let is there. Verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Verse 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. What are these things? When it talks about this, you've got to let it happen. You have to, you have to allow it to take the place in your life. You've got to quit fighting against it. The Bible teaches about us opposing our own selves. And that's what we have to watch and not do. Because we certainly can do it. Then the right motives revealed in verse 17. Here's the motive behind all of it. Whatsoever you do. That's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? And then to make it even understanding, it takes in everything even more emphatically, in word or deed. Do all. Everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We understand that is properly limiting and that you can't do sinful behavior or wrong or or improper behavior in the name of the Lord. So it's limiting in a way where it should be limiting. But it also has a great deal of freedom because everything that is right and clean and decent, we can do it as unto the Lord. You can enjoy it and you can, uh, you can do it for the Lord with that. And then, look in verses 18 through 22. Who is it that is affected by the right Motives and the right form of basic Christian living. Who gets affected by it? Well, let's see if we can find out. Look in verse 18. Wives are. Husbands are. Verse 20. Children are. Parents are. Verse 21. Specifically, fathers are. Verse 22. Servants are. Sounds like it kind of touches everybody in all relationships, doesn't it? Basic Christian living, if ye then be risen with Christ, and the behavior that's to follow that, basic Christian living touches all living. All the living that we do. This will be a thing that's uh, easy to think of with it. We've all known someone who can come in and come into an event or a place. When they come, they walk in, everybody kind of goes, oh, right? Probably there's a name that leaps to mind when you think of that. Hopefully you won't point anywhere in the room. Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, look, there's so-and-so. The family can be all together, everything going good, but when they come in, oh, holy night becomes oh, holy moly. Um, what? <laughs> Takes a definite left hand turn. Not good. There are others that people are glad to see him come anywhere. I observe things as I'm out in public places. Been in town as long as I've been around this town and interacting this, as much as I do in this town. I know certain people. It's funny, they're people that are familiar people. I, I know most of their names that I see quite a bit and they're just kind of part of what I know goes on town where they are. 
what they're doing. Certain, you know, you just see that because you're involved with that. And I watch, and and there there are some people. I'm thinking about the elderly gentleman right now that he come in and just kind of everybody just kind of smile. He was a flamboyant, was a real, you know, real. Uh, uh, kind of guy who just came in and had that kind of personality. We just talked to everybody in the room, but there was just something about him. He had a gentleman quality about him, and and it seemed like each person I heard him speak to, he had a kind of a courtesy, a kindness, and it was part of his nature. And he'd go out, and people would smile. I'd see him. Even people, you know, maybe he didn't recognize as being being around, or maybe hadn't seen him. They just kind of smile. And I thought, you know, that's the effect he would have when he'd go in. Um, Basic Christian living will allow us actually to be lights in this world. <laughs> that should blow the light out right there. Um, <laughs> might want to check, Brother Jeff. <laughs> I think you're going to have a dry cleaning bill after that one, Brother. <laughs> but <laughs> basic Christian living gives us the opportunity to actually be lights in a dark, dark world. You come over this hill here, right now if you were to drive over, all our external lights are on, parking lot's full, there's a lot of cars around, and uh, somebody come over that hill, they would see signs lit up, there's lights on on, the, on a large building here on the side. Oh, something's going on. That's, it would catch your attention. That's a lot of lights together. It's kind of how we are when we're together as a church, but as we go out into a dark and hurting world, and, and look, I, it was interesting. I was listening to a a, uh, a mental health professional here um, uh, they, about two days ago. It was just kind of an interesting little study they were doing, and uh, they were talking about what's being dealt with right now with people. There's so much happening, not just what we've come through and have coming through as a country with. Uh, the reactions to disease and different things like that, but also, you know, situation with Russia, that's a very large power and things going on with that. Uh, what's going on, it's a very strange thing. You go into certain stores or maybe some shelves bare and that kind of thing like that. And it, it, there's just a different thing hitting people's minds. And it was talking about how many people are very unstable and settled right now. And we're seeing that as, as we deal with people. We have the light of Christ. And the basics of basic Christian living—you're not going to—you're not going to just, you know, fake that and interact with people that way if it's not part of you. But the basics of Christian living will set you apart to be so useful and to be able to do so much good. And look, you're going to spend your life, and I'm going to spend my life on something or some things. Why would anybody not want to spend their life doing good and being helpful instead of being destructive and leaving carnage behind? I mean, just on a basic level, why wouldn't you choose life? Makes no sense not to. I'm reminded in the Old Testament when they, they said, we put before you the way of life and the way of death. They had to put it before the Israelites very plainly. And then the next statement was, choose life. Choose life. This is basic Christianity. Where are we at in our basic Christianity? Basic living. God helping us. We're going to be learning and doing more in the Bible and getting the things of our basic Christianity strengthened. For those of you who want that and you want that kind of 
biblical influence in your life, you're going to have some great opportunities to be benefited by your church with uh, just some things to strengthen us. Help us be what we ought to be as we're going through this until the Lord takes us home. And whether He does that individually or takes us out on the group plan, either way is okay. And then verses 23 and 25 sum it up. Look there if you will. 23 through 25, excuse me. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Put something behind it. Don't drag through life. <laughs> do it heartily. As to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. There's no respect of persons. And uh, God's got a lot for us. And a lot of it's the basic Christianity. Get that down. Try to be fancy. Or the preacher say the other day, it was funny. He, he was preaching. He said, every time I think I want to get complicated and complex and something, he says, God just keeps telling me, you get back to the basics. Get back to the simple. Get back to the basics. Deal with those things. And that's what we need. I mean, years ago, Dr. Gray made a statement I enjoyed very much. I heard him make I was in Texas, and he said, uh, simple truth. No, he made it here, actually. He said, simple truths build great lives. That's a tremendous statement. That's a true statement. Let's get a hold of these things. Let's, let's get the inheritance that God has for us, and let's live it. Let me pray with you, all right? Father, thank you for the book of Colossians. Thank you for the truths. Help us to live this basic Christianity. And Lord, you know what your children actually ask you. In their heart, they ask you for you to show them something. I believe you're faithful to do that. Now, Lord, will you bring together their thought, what you showed them, and, and, and show them a measure of wisdom of how to put that into play, that particular thing, and how it applies for them right now. Lord, may they make a commitment before you and to you to put into play what you've shown them. Thank you for the Word of God. Help us to be followers of you because of who you are. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together. Maybe something you want to bring before the Lord that He touched on as we went through. Why don't you come tonight as we have song invitation, if you would, please.